Michigan craft spirits are certainly having a moment, in part because of our growing enjoyment of craft cocktails. Definitely we are in a second golden age of cocktails, where historically, before Prohibition was like the first golden age, then things kind of go downhill. I talk about the 70s and 80s as the dark ages of cocktails. So what makes a quality cocktail? The hosts of Cheers to Michigan have been sharing their knowledge of cocktail recipes and culture with Michigan Radio listeners for years. Cheers. Cheers. They are joining us today for a last call. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Tammy Coxon is a mixologist and longtime contributor who you've heard on Stateside mixing up cocktails with host Lester Graham, also of the Environment Report. In addition to Lester and Tammy's regular appearances here, they've also collaborated on a book, Cheers to Michigan, that makes the most of everything our region has to offer in a glass. Tammy is leaving Michigan. Now, everybody's got, sort of. everybody's got friends who's made the leap. This is not a big deal. No tears, please. What's really important, isn't it, is the drinks we made along the way, right? And the people we met making them. <laughs> Tammy Lester, thanks for coming back in. Glad to be here. Tammy, what's going on? Why are you guys wrapping up the Cheers series? There are a couple of reasons. One of them is that, yes, I am moving my main locus of being, I'm going to call it, to uh, uh, Massachusetts. Oh, I can't believe we're losing you to to the Boston area. This hurts. <laughs> I, I will be back. My plan for the next few years, at least, is to be back about a week a month and still see people and do things. Change is good. Yeah, it is. I mean... We've had a lot of fun. It's been seven years of going out and meeting these interesting people who, these mixologists who are kind of uh, artists and alchemists at the same time, uh, the distillers who are just fascinating people and so dedicated. And we've seen the businesses grow so much in the state. Even during the pandemic, they've survived and thrived. So it's uh, it's been fun to meet all of them. It's been fun uh, tasting a lot of drinks. You know, as I said in the book, what I knew about cocktails before I met Tammy, you could have fit in a shot glass. Uh, you know, I, I I have a bit of the backstory from the book, but at the same time, like I when you guys started drinking together, were were you strictly <laughs> were you strictly a dive bar arrangement, or did were your first encounters in fancy fancy establishments? Actually, our first encounter was before. St- Dateside, we actually went to the uh, Michigan State University distilling operation to see what it was all about. I was doing a story. She was tagging along because she was interested yeah. and had some expertise to offer. And uh, we started there and did some other, a couple of other stories. Like the, we were the first patrons at the Detroit dis- distilling uh, uh, operation um, before they were even open, which was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, and we knew each other before that. But yeah. I think we've always been appreciators of Good cocktails. Lester was one of the first attendees at my in uh, at my cocktail classes that I teach. Tammy's tastings. I think yeah. he was at maybe the very first one. Uh, yeah, I was. I think so. Guys, you know what gets me is seven years and just how much rapid evolution has happened in cocktail culture. I just spent the holiday break watching Drink Masters with my 12-year-old, and she can't even drink, but like she was so interested in how people talked about the flavors and the balance and everything. Uh, Tammy, do you feel the market is fully saturated yet? That's a really good question. Um, I think you're right. We've seen this big transition. You know, 10 years ago, that show Drink Masters couldn't have been made. Even five years ago, might not have been able to. Uh, there's 
definitely we are in a second golden age of cocktails where historically before prohibition was like the first golden age. Then things kind of go downhill. I talk about the 70s and 80s as the dark ages of cocktails. Uh, we're not going to talk about daiquiris, are we? No. Okay. Well, good daiquiris are delicious. As you have proven. That's right. As you have proven. Um, but yeah, so we are in the second golden age. And I love the fact that I can get a great cocktail almost anywhere now. Um, and I think that is really great. Uh, but I do think sometimes it pushes people to to do gimmicky things just for the sake of being gimmicky, right? 100%. Um, and that doesn't always make the drinks the most delicious they could be. I mean, one of the biggest learnings I got from the series was, uh, you know, that, that, there are, that there are foundations to a great drink. I mean, that's do, do you mind? Do you guys mind going into that a bit again for us? It's something you've talked about before. Well, I, uh, if you're talking about, you know, just making sure that you understand what the classic cocktails are and moving from there, uh, yeah, I think that a lot of people jump in and they're like, well, if we took this juice and threw some vodka in it, it'd be a great cocktail. Maybe we'll put some curry spices in it and <laughs> voila, it's something new. And don't laugh. Curry in a uh, botanical we had recently was really, really good. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that it takes, it takes a lot more than that. Uh, being different isn't enough. Being good and different is the key. And we've got some people. I, I keep thinking of Casey Miller, who works at The Last Word. That guy's a genius. He's just constantly coming up with these 15-ingredient cocktails uh, with with a really unique background because he was raised, he's from Michigan, but was raised in Japan. So he has this whole flavor profile that he can bring to uh, to the cocktail that, you know, a lot of people don't have. And then there are many, many other mixologists in the state who are coming up with these new recipes, not just counting on the classics or a little twist on the classics, but they're really coming up with brand new stuff and methods that are amazing. One of the other big things that we're seeing is many more people mixing in their own homes. Mm -hmm. And this is something that definitely accelerated with the pandemic. And I was going to say, I drank my way through the pandemic with Cheers to Michigan. You guys helped me. <laughs> awesome. There was, there was healing happening there. I switched to doing online cocktail classes during the pandemic, and it exploded my business. And it really, to what you said about the foundations of a good drink, it really gave me an opportunity to work with people directly on that. Because when you're making a drink at home, you may not have the weird ingredient that this book calls for. And so I do it um, still today. I still teach online. I do a lot of, okay, here's what purpose this is serving in a drink. Let's find something else that can do that. So you don't have an orange liqueur, but you have a peach liqueur or you have a raspberry liqueur. What tweaks do we now need to do to make this drink work? You don't have lemon juice, but you have lime. That's serving the same function. And so when you start to understand how the different pieces of a drink work together, then you can get creative at home. A couple of uh, classes I've gone to uh, that she's held uh, are, are really interesting because take a martini or a Manhattan. Now we're going to have a lab. Here are all the gins or the whiskeys that you might put into this. Here are all the, you know, the other ingredients. There are many different ways to make a martini. There are many different ways to make a Manhattan. Now, you've got 30 people in the room. Go to town. How are you going to make your Manhattan? How are you going to make your martini? It's fascinating stuff, but it all comes down to where do you start? You start with the basics. Do you have some favorite discoveries that you two have made together through the course of the series? Yeah, I do. 
<laughs> What's yours? I love uh, Fernet Branca. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that? It's a. It's not a drink. It's a. It's a liqueur. It's a, an amaro, right? Uh, and it's used in some classic drinks like the Toronto and and some others. Uh, but basically, it's a. It's used in many different ways, can be used in many different ways, but I usually like it mixed with a, a rye in one way or another. And it's it's very bitter, bracing liqueur that is fascinating to me. And you, I, definitely, I can't get enough. you definitely have a type, Lester. <laughs> <laughs> bitter and bracing? <laughs> what about you, Tammy? I mean, I, I'm sure it's hard to sort out stuff you've discovered for I, your 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 pay work and things that you've discovered through Cheers. I was going to say it's uh, I'm notoriously difficult with favorites. Uh, what I love is the diversity of things that we've discovered. You know, people ask me what's your favorite cocktail, and I always say the one I've never tried before. And that's been what's so great about Cheers to Michigan for me is that every time Lester and I get together to record, I have to come up with something new. Um, and whether that's a new ingredient or um, a new idea, uh, a new way of combining old ingredients, um, it's just been great for creativity and making me seek out new ingredients and try new things. And one of the things that uh, th- this was Zoe Clark's idea when we first pitched this idea seven years ago oh. uh, for every recipe that has been on uh, stateside. There have been Michigan-made ingredients in those things, and many times, many Michigan-made ingredients in the same drink. So we're really proud of that accomplishment. That that really helped us uh, become uh, acquainted with a lot of the distillers and, and other uh, makers of uh, cocktail. Honestly, that's the most fun part of it for me, is getting to know the neighborhood a little bit better in terms of what's available. And it's the same thing for me. I mean, as of 2022, I've been in Michigan for over half my life, but... I feel like the Cheers to Michigan segments really helped me adopt the state in a whole new way. I describe the book to people when I tell them about it as my love letter to Michigan in cocktail form, because it really did give me a connection to this place that I really love and value and will keep with me as I move on. Tammy, you're still going to be working in the industry? I have a few different things going on. I'm definitely going to keep doing my Tammy's Tastings online classes and in-person events while I'm here in Michigan. Um, And then I've launched a new project, which is related. It's called My Tiny Bottles, and it is a podcast, video, website series where I'm exploring a few hundred vintage miniature liquor bottles that my grandmother left behind when she passed away. Okay, you can't just lay that out on the table and not say more. Why was your grandmother collecting these things? So there are thousands of people I've discovered around the world who collect these little miniature liquor bottles. She was just a collector. She collected bells. She collected spoons. And then she collected these mini liquor bottles. Grams, spoons. I think every family has a gram with spoons. Exactly. And so, you know, you would go on a trip. You'd bring back a souvenir spoon from Niagara Falls. And then when you were, you know... Crossing the border, if you if it was a cross-border trip, I grew up in Canada. So if you were crossing the border, then you would uh, stop at the duty-free and find a new mini for of Grandma. Course. And so she started collecting, we think, in the mid-1970s and collected up until the mid-2000s. And I remember them as a kid, but I didn't really think about it other than to say, oh, this one has a hat. Let's buy that one for Grandma. But now I go, oh, my God, what is in there? Right now that I spend all my time talking about the history of spirits and cocktails and these ingredients, like I bet she has some really awesome things hidden away. So I asked my dad whatever happened to Grandma's minis. And about a year and a half ago, he dropped them off on my porch and said, here. What are some of the stranger things you found in the collection? 
Well, one of the fun things about the project is that I haven't done an inventory. I'm revealing just a few bottles at a time as part of the project. Um, and then I go off and I research them. So that's really fun. Uh, the latest episode I put up is about hot shot tropical fruit schnapps, which sounds about as scary <laughs> as I could think of. It's this tiny little half full plastic bottle of 1980s, probably not very good. Um, but I was able to trace that back to the Medicinal Spirits Act of 1927 when I started digging into who created this and where did it come from. And so it's that opportunity to kind of dig in, find the history, find the stories, the same sorts of things we explore in Cheers to Michigan, I get to keep doing with these little bottles and over and over again because we think there are a few hundred of them. Tammy, you're a master. <laughs> Cheers is wrapping up with an in-person event. It wouldn't be... And, and online. Yes, well, yeah. and online. Uh, it wouldn't be It wouldn't be Cheers without a party. You guys are doing a Mardi Gras event. I am so excited you're doing a Mardi Gras at the Blue Llama in Ann Arbor, I believe on February 21st. What should people expect? Well, fun. Fun, yeah. So we're beads. at the... Beads. <laughs> Music. <laughs> we haven't talked about beads. We haven't okay. talked about beads, but there will definitely be music. There's going to be a live jazz band uh, playing Mardi Gras favorites. We're going to have some uh, New Orleans cocktails. Uh, Lester and I will be recording a live Cheers episode. So if you've ever wondered how the sausage gets made, uh, <laughs> the drink will be all new to Lester, just like it is when he walks in uh, to my house. He'll be walking in not knowing what I'm about to throw at him. Uh, but this time for people who are attending in person, they can taste along. So keep an eye open, folks, on the Michigan radio events page to sign up for that. That's coming up on February 21st. And of course, we have a few more appearances with Tammy and Lester here on Stateside as well. Tammy Coxon, Lester Graham, thank you for all the really excellent sips. And Tammy, best of luck to you in Cambridge. We're going to miss you a lot. I'll be around. Don't say goodbye. Just say so long for See now. See you soon. Right? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. And of course, we couldn't talk to Tammy and Lester without bringing you a drink. After a quick break, a vintage cocktail made with a thoroughly modern gin. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Cheers. 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 Hi, Tammy. Hi, Lester. That's Tammy Coxon with Tammy's Tastings. That looks pretty. The bottle or the drink? The drink. The bottle's nice, too. It is a pretty drink. It's a drink you'll like. Yeah. What's, What's in it? It's got Green Door Gin. From Kalamazoo. From Kalamazoo. Yeah, I know the guy who makes their barrels. Yeah, it's, oh, that's cool. It's a new-to-me gin. I just saw it on the store. I didn't have it. I was like, oh, new Michigan product. Gotta roll with this. And I tasted it, and it's really interesting. Have you tasted it? No. Oh, well, I poured you a little sample. Oh, thanks. 
Oh, that's really nice. And really different, right? Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not a London Dry Gin exactly. No. It's something different. Can you pick out any botanicals? Like, how would you describe it? Um, it, it's. You know me and descriptions not very good, but it's got a warmer feel to yes. it than uh, than some gins. Yes. It's not quite as sharp. Yes, and and that is the sort of thing that I picked up from it too. And they describe it on their website as being more herbal than most gins. They describe it as a botanical gin, and their flavor descriptions. And I don't know if these are actual botanicals they use or just their descriptions. Are curry, fenugreek, and lavender. Okay, all right. And well, definitely the curry. Curry, yeah. right? That sort of rich roundness, this real herbal quality, and not a lot of citrus, which I think is what you and I associate with London Dry Gins, that right. real forward citrus note, that real forward juniper note. Juniper, um, And yes. those are a lot more in the background here, and you just get this kind of rich herbal savory almost kind of a gin. If somebody told me this gin has curry characteristics, that would not be a plus in my book, but you really should check this out because it, when I say curry or when we say curry it's a very nice warm and it belongs in a gin i think anyway i agree with you it definitely belongs in a gin but my problem was i was like what do i do with it i was kind of thinking i'd do something citrusy but then i tasted it and i was like oh no that's not going to highlight this beautiful flavor that i really love how'd you end up using it to make this pretty drink i really like the looks of it so i wanted to do something stirred i wanted to do something a little more spirit forward and i thought of the hanky panky oh you know i've had that at one of your classes i have no other than the name i don't remember anything about it so it is a great classic cocktail it appears in the 1930 savoy cocktail book it was created by a woman named ada coleman and she was the head bartender at the savoy cocktail bar up until 1930. But this cocktail came about when one of her customers came in and he said, Coley, that's what they called her. Coley, I'm having a really hard week. I need something that will pick me up. And she said, well, I don't have anything today, but you know, come back. I will have something for you next time. He comes in. She serves him this drink. He says, by Jove, that's the real hanky panky. <laughs> and that's where the name came from. Well, we're definitely in the 2030s with that. <laughs> and so I knew you would love this drink because this drink has one of your favorite ingredients in it. Well, that must be Fernet. It is indeed Fernet. So the classic hanky-panky formula is one and a half ounces gin, one and a half ounces sweet vermouth, and then a quarter ounce of Fernet Branca. I put a little Michigan twist on this in addition to using the Green Door Botanical Gin. I also used the American Fifth Distilling Fernet. We've had that before. It's really good. And one of the things, whenever you're making a cocktail with ingredients that didn't exist at the time that cocktail was created, you sometimes need to tweak it a little. And so I mixed this up to the classic proportions and I tasted it as I was going. And I'm like, this is a little too sweet vermouth forward. I want to taste more of that gin. So I added another half ounce of the gin here uh, just to get it to a balance that I think works better for me. So what are we at now? So this is two ounces of gin, an ounce and a half of sweet vermouth, and a quarter ounce of American Fifth Fernet. Also an orange twist on top. Saw that. Uh, I'm going to try it now. Okay. All right. Wow, you are onto something there. Um, good choice for that gin. That really works well with that. And I wish I could describe it, but I've never tasted it anything quite like that before. It is really, really nice. You pulled the rabbit out of the hat on that one. By Jove, that's the real hanky-panky. <laughs> Thank you, Lester. And thanks, Green Door Distilling, for making this really interesting, delicious product. Cheers. Cheers. 
And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Mercedes Mejia. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Cabansag, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Hey, thanks for listening. Whatever you're doing this weekend, hope it's a great one. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.